Hey, I just want to say uh, thank you for listening to this episode of this podcast. Um, I am extremely grateful, and I think it's going to be a good time because I have an amazing artist on today who makes amazing artwork, and uh, the conversation was uh, simply amazing. Did I say amazing too many times? Yes. Did I do it on purpose? Maybe. Um, am I ashamed? Absolutely not, because it's all true. Um, but before I get into this, I just uh, want to ask you, I'm basically going to do the normal podcast YouTube trope thing where they ask you to like and subscribe and rate because that helps me out a ton. And, uh, and I would really appreciate it if you did all that. And if you really enjoy the podcast, tell your friends and family about it. It's, it's also good to share information and share, um, great conversations. And so I enjoy putting these out and if you enjoy it, you know, go and share it with people that you, uh, you think will get something out of it. Anyway, um, this week, my guest is Justin Curry. He's an amazing, well-established artist um, who is a graphic designer and graphic illustrator, and he focuses a lot on uh, fandom and comic book-themed art. And uh, he's traveled all over the world, done the biggest Comic-Cons from New York to San Diego. He has a ton of insight, and I got a ton out of this conversation. I think you will, too. So without further ado, this is my interview with Justin Curry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Pardon Will Podcast. I am extremely excited to have my guest on today. Um, oh, and I forgot to say this, but I, I'm going to pronounce your name, and I'm going to give it a shot, man. Um, and if it's wrong, you're going to have to correct me. Um, Justin Curry, is that right? Did I do that That right? is 100% correct, yep. Oh, nice. I nailed it. Um, it's not like it's difficult. It's not like it's crazy hard to pronounce, but um, I was like... I. I probably should check with that beforehand. Um, but yeah, Justin Curry, you're also, <laughs> I follow you, um, and I followed you for a while on Instagram as Chasing Artwork, right? Is that, yep. that's your Instagram? Yeah. That it, is. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my brand. That's, um, yeah, the handle that's, that I post everything under is, is Chasing Artwork. So I've been, I've been chasing artwork since uh, 2014. I started my own company and been doing it full time. Very cool. And uh, yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And so you, um, so I know you um, because I've followed you for so long. Um, you do. Um, you actually, I actually don't know a lot about your medium, but you are a fantastic artist, and you spend a lot of time in fandoms, um, uh, comic book and Dragon Ball Z and Halo. These are just some examples of stuff that you have made in that genre. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about, uh, that style and, and the kind of like how it, how it's done? Tell me, tell me everything about yourself, your social security code, <laughs> pin numbers. No, no, I'm just, but, yeah, yeah. About your art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tell me all about that stuff. So yeah, the, the style actually has a lot to do with kind of how I started and how I got here. Um, when, when I graduated, I grew up in a, on a farm, um, where the closest town was about 800 people. So very rural Manitoba, oh, nice. uh, yeah. middle of Canada. Um, and so growing up, I, I was, I was good at Lego and I was good at drawing and I wasn't too good at, at much else academics wise. You know, I didn't excel, um, really in school. I, I really enjoyed drawing. So when I got out, um, my options, like I wanted to draw for a living, but that's not really an option is, is kind of what you're told. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so gra- graph design was the next best thing that, yeah. that I thought could work and that my parents thought could work as well. So I moved to, uh, I moved to Winnipeg and, um, enrolled in the graph design college program here. And so for three years I was, uh, I was taught how to use Adobe illustrator and Photoshop and InDesign and the, 
that whole design suite. Um, and at first I really didn't like it. Like it was very, you know, rigid and corporate and like, it wasn't, it wasn't very artsy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but after that, like when I was, was getting into third year and was really kind of getting uh, a firm grasp on everything, I realized how much better my illustration was getting because I had all these graph design skills. So yeah. I was being like able to take my sketches and bring them into Photoshop. And then I was able to, um, I learned how to print things properly and set up print files and work with printers and that whole pre-press area. And then I could also, you know, design my own logos and I, I knew about fonts and, and letters and, and all that stuff. Um, so kind of fast forward a couple of years later, I'm, I'm using my graph design skill set in the illustration world. I'm noticing I have this huge leg up. Yeah. on a lot of illustrators who are like fundamentally better than me, you know, like they, they know their anatomy better. They know their ink work and, and, you know, like Marvel level artists. Yeah. Um, but because I have this real edge using, um, I actually, I use Adobe illustrator for all my artwork, which is not something like not a program that most illustrators touch. Yeah, so I think yeah. it's, it's really poorly named. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, because I'm, I'm using this program in a way that it wasn't quite intended, it makes my artwork really stick out um, and look a lot different. Um, and so when I'm going to, I started going to all these conventions as well. And so I started just with the, like, the little local stuff. And then um, I noticed my stuff was really stood out and was really catching people's attention. Yeah. So um, over the ne- next couple of years, I started, you know, I did more local stuff. And then I started traveling a bit for it. Um, and before I knew it, I was quitting my job and starting my own studio because I was doing so well with my own work. It didn't make sense to have two and a half jobs when yeah. my, you know, the stuff I was doing on the side, I'm counting as a 1.5 was making me more money than my actual full-time job, yeah. which at, the, at that time was, um, working in video games. So it's not like I didn't have a creatively oh. fulfilling and, and great job. Yeah. For it sure. was just, it wasn't what. Yeah, like it was it was great to be able to work in video games, but it wasn't in my style and it was something that was my style was starting to kind of um become a thing of its own and was getting me, you know, like more attention and yeah. and also more yeah, more of everything. So that's Man. um that's kind of a, a brief <clears throat> history of where this style came from. That's a synopsis cuz I've seen your work and that was when you were like, yeah, I have my own style. I'm like, well, hold on. Hold on a second, because you do, and so I um I I love that that I love your style, but I also love like comic book style. Like I love your traditional um, mm-hmm. comic book um the the format and the concepts and the squares and and how that works out. I really enjoy that. Matter of fact, I I I play with that, but I'm nowhere near um you or anyone who does Marvel. So I have I have to build in my own style with it because I'm a watercolor artist. So I I play with watercolors, yeah. and so I move around with that, but. Your style alone, like that's when you were like, yeah, I created my own style. Like, hold on a second. Dude, that style is, <laughs> it's totally different than anything I've ever seen. Like, I haven't seen anything the way you do it. And that's not including how you do the foil and how it's presented. Like, it's, um, oh, yeah. Even if it's illustrated on a, Adobe, man, this look, it's, you can tell like there are some time spent in your style. So that, um, I mean, you kind of blew my mind because I was like, where do I start now? Because you just went through like a such a quick synapsis there. I was like, <laughs> I want to stop at every second. And you were like, this is so first of all, uh, you're in Canada. 
Um, and yeah. And so is that, is there, is there like a, I don't know anything. So I've lived in, I've lived in, uh, South America or South America, South, <laughs> I've lived in Texas. So South side of the U S yeah. and, uh, I live in New okay. York yeah. I live in New York now. And so, and I've traveled a lot, okay. but I don't know anything mm-hmm. about, I don't know anything about Candace. So as dumb of a question as this is, um, how's the art scene, <laughs> how's you said you did local stuff. How's the art scene in Canada and especially yeah. Winnipeg? Like what's it like up there? Uh, we've actually got a really strong art scene in Canada, or uh, sorry, in Winnipeg especially. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of galleries and a, a lot of writers. Um, some of um, some real big, uh, like Marlon DC legends, are actually out of um, out of Winnipeg. Uh, really, Laverne Kaczynski. Yeah, Laverne Kaczynski. I think was like the grandfather of digital painting. Like he, he was one of the first studios to kind of figure out how to digital paint things, oh, really? and that's yeah. like. Yeah, and so he started doing that with Marvel and DC, like back when like computers took up half a room, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So we've we've got a pretty yeah prolific art scene here in, in Winnipeg, um, but it's been kind of it's it's been great with the like I kind of fell into this right when comic conventions were really becoming a big thing, like in um, two thousand eight. Yeah, there, okay. there was there was a lo- local convention, but a lot of cities. In, in Canada, at least, didn't have a real convention yet. But in 2008, 9, 10, that's when conventions kind of went from um, hotel basements with, like, a couple hundred people to kind of the mainstream. This is also when, like, Marvel is Marvel's really ramping up and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, Iron Man came yeah, out, so and it was, sudden, like, starting to hit mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, so suddenly, instead of, like, all these little conventions, every city is, you know, putting on, they're taking over convention centers and going from like 500 attendants to 10,000 to 15,000 to, so I kind of was developing my, my illustration portfolio right when this was really becoming a big thing. So in 2000, like 12 to, you know, 18, when things were blowing up, I was kind of in the right spot at the right time. Um, and so that also allowed me to travel, right? Like I, I started with a little local ones, but then, you know, I started going to the Toronto one and then made it down to Chicago was my very first one in the state. Very cool. Um, and then before you know it, I had a permanent table at um, New York and, and San Diego and like really? the really big one. Oh, man. Yeah. So. I've never, uh, hold on, I got to stop real quick because uh, I'm obviously yeah. a huge fan. I've never been to the San Diego, but what is, can I just, I mean, quick, like what is that like? Yeah. Like being at San Diego Comic Con, oh, like where you can't, you have to order tickets two years in advance. Like you are, you have a table there. Like what is that like? So that took me six years of constantly applying. Like the second that applications went up, I applied. Yeah. Um, and I also was emailing everybody that I could find at the San Diego Comic Con and kind of dripping at them throughout the year, like, Hey, look at my stuff. I, I think I've got something special. Like, fit me in there, fit me in there. Um, and so eventually that kind of paid off and, and they gave me a really great spot. Um, and that's awesome. Yeah, it's um, the, the big difference that I like. I've been to a lot of big conventions now. And the thing that San Diego does that no other convention really does is the entire downtown of the city is like enveloped in the oh, convention. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Like, I would have to say I, it's the biggest one. It's the, it's the gold standard of conventions um, when it comes to comic stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like new, New York and it are always swapping like attendees uh, 
like I, they're very close the last couple well the last couple of years when they were still going yeah the new york and the san diego show were were very similar really but when you leave the javits center in new york like the convention stopped yeah yeah like people aren't partying in the streets but yeah. in san diego you have to walk like eight blocks away before you've stopped being part of the convention it's just the entire area awesome swamped (laughs) in it yeah awesome how is that that's got to be a great feeling like that's got to be so much fun um man oh god yeah i would uh i would definitely love so sorry i wanted to i definitely want to hear about that because i'm a bit of a i'm 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 a bit of a dreamer and you're kind of living uh, my best life. Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, vicariously, how does this feel and what's it like? So I'm, I'm super excited about um, that dude. I, um, as far as conventions go, like I've, I've been to a few, um, I've been to one in Texas mm-hmm. and, uh, and stuff like that, but I haven't been to anything that big, but I could only imagine being an artist, being, having a table. Was that, was that a turning point or was that just part of a, like a stair step of your career of being like, all of a sudden you went to the, you said the Chicago was your first Chicago hit. Was that like, and then you doubled in sales or, or audience and stuff like that? Or was that just like, uh, incremental? Like, was it something that built up? I don't know if I, it was, um, no, no, the, the, the first couple of years were pretty slow and incremental. Like I would say the first two, three years I was, you know, I was paying for my table and paying for all my printing and making money on top of it. Um, and it was, it became like, after the first one, I was like obsessed. Like that's all I wanted to do was make more like, because I'd never had people want to buy my artwork like that before. Right. Like it's for real. Yeah. I'd always just been drawing in sketchbooks and doing my own thing and posting them on the internet. And every once in a while people would like it, but I'd never been in person and made money with my artwork. So it lit this, fire under my butt that has never really gone out. Um, but yeah, it started pretty slow. Um, and like every time I did a table, I learned, you know, a million new things about what, what I should be doing, what more successful people are doing. Like I would, yeah. okay, I need to get a portfolio book. Okay. Now I need to get like stands to go behind my table and mm-hmm. like, okay, now I, I need business cards. I need this, I need that. So I would, you know, over a couple of years, I slowly built up a bigger and bigger table and, you know, I started with half a table and then I got my own entire table. And in like New York, I think I had five tables. Wow. Something like, I had like a huge wow. corner island. But it yeah. took me, you know, years to get to that point. That's also like it's a huge chunk of change just to have that that um, that real estate square footage. Yeah, that's that's yeah. heavy real so, estate, man. Like you got to it's going to yeah. cost something. Does that return? I mean, I hate to interrupt, but. Is it like, no, no, not is, at it, all. is it not just a fan thing? Like hey, I went, I spent this much money and I, I at least didn't, I, I didn't end up in the red. Like I broke even, or is it like, <laughs> Oh, totally worth it spending that. I mean, I'm asking you technical questions cause, um, because I'm mm-hmm. doing, I'm doing what you did where you're like, I learned so yeah. much from all the artists that were there, like at the table. Um, that's what this podcast is for. I'm literally taking notes, um, not just audibly, but like with a notepad of being like, here's some. This yeah. is just advice for me. <laughs> Literally, it's just you giving me advice. This could be just me and you having a phone call, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna yeah. air it for the public. Uh, that's all it is. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, so, how was that? Was that like fiscally like not, that's probably not the right financially um, profitable, or maybe not in short uh, term, but not long like run? Um, like at first when I was only doing like one two shows a year, um, 
Like I was, I was kind of paying for the experience for sure. Yeah. Um, but like after I put a couple of years of work into it and started doing, um, like 12 venture and started to do the math, I kind of realized like, okay, I'm, I'm doing well enough to, you know, put more, more money and more effort into this. Yeah. And, um, eventually like I kind of realized like, okay, I'm making more conventions than my full-time job. Like maybe I should yeah. like take a year off and try conventions full time. Um, and so when I, when I did that and I started like I back before COVID, I, I think I was doing about 34 conventions a year. Wow. Um, so it was oh, a lot wow. of travel and I'll, yeah. yeah, but I, it became fiscally viable for me to do that. Um, but it's, it didn't happen all at once. It was a very slow build and, and kind of, um, once I, you know, I didn't take a leap of faith and, and try this out as an experiment. Okay. I did it long enough that I, that I could do the math and like, okay, this makes sense for me to do this as my job. I'm doing yeah. well enough with it that I should put more into it. Yeah. That's, um, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I think that's really good advice. Um, that's really good advice. Cause that's kind of, I mean, that's not, I was going to say like, that's kind of what I think about, but no, no, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm dumb. So I just make big financial risks and, uh, end up losing. Yeah. It <laughs> and so no, uh, but man, that is really good advice. Cause, um, a lot of people, like when I look at your art, I don't even know how you started. I don't know how you got to where you are. Um, for me, just hearing the story of being like, Hey, sometimes it's not winning the lottery. Sometimes it's like one step no, and then no. the next step. Um, because I don't know, yeah. I don't know, I don't know if everyone else, like I, I talk to a lot of artists, I don't know how they feel. Most of them probably are in the vein that you're talking about where it's not like I, I did an art show and then all of a sudden I met the right person or the right agent. And then, then it just, and that's kind of why I asked, like when you started the convention, was it like you did one convention, two conventions or three conventions, and then all of a sudden you were in, invited to San Diego or you made so many sales off these <laughs> conventions. It, it, from what I get, like, it sounds like, no, nope, I just, you were persistent and you endured and, uh, and in the long run that paid off. And then eventually, I mean, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm kind of just analyzing it. Um, you eventually were just mm -hmm. like, hold on a second. Why am I working when I could easily make more money doing this? Um, and that, that's, yeah, that's exactly, no one hears that. That's not like a weird, that's not the normal story, um, that everyone, you know, assumes that's how things happen. Everyone has like, I got the one big break. It sounds like you just pushed through, I mean, and, and you just made it happen, not without luck. Like, it didn't sound like it's luck. It just sounds mm -hmm. like persistent and talent. And that's kudos to you, man. Like, I don't. That's amazing. Like, uh, I love that. I love that concept because it means that me being a crappy artist, um, if I pursue it long enough um, and uh, with much <laughs> endurance, maybe I'll get somewhere. And so that's yeah. um, that's something I, I really enjoy, man. Um, and, you know, like that that whole, like, somebody's going to discover you one day and kind of cut you a blank check. Like, I wonder, like, because I kind of had that same perception when I was young and starting out, like, yeah you know, when, when is somebody going to discover me and I'm going to make it? Like, is I, is that Hollywood I'm tricking maybe, us into it, like, I think it is. I think you're right, <laughs> man. I think it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, um, because I think yeah, you're right. Every, um, like when you start to kind of do the convention circuit, you start to see the same giant artists over and over and over again. And that, those kind of became like my coworkers and my good friends were yeah. the people who were like, um, like 
doing really well at these shows that were like comparable like levels like we started to, like all hang out and all um yeah just like became really good friends and the the consistent thing with with everybody was we just all worked nonstop at our craft right like we were always yeah. pumping out new artwork for the next convention if you show up at the same convention year after year after year with the same portfolio like you're gonna you're not gonna last yeah but it was yeah. the guys who were like every single year they had like you know 20 new pieces and they were trying all these different things and like oh did you like i've started experimenting experimenting with enamel pins and now suddenly like that's a huge chunk of my income or like mm -hmm. for example with me just recently i started playing around with foil printing and that's really taken off like i'm just you know, you always have to be making new stuff and trying new things, and you can't sit around and wait for some mysterious person in a suit to come and tell you you've made it. It's it's on you. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I think, and honestly, if some mysterious person in a suit said you made it, chances are you're probably going to get like arrested or uh, black bagged or something <laughs> and taken off to a facility yeah. that you don't want to be in because um, that doesn't right. that's not real you're right it's Hollywood like that doesn't happen yeah. what what really happens is if uh, this is kind of my thoughts it sounds like where you're at too is um, you just you just you just don't stop and you continue to evolve like you constantly are moving into that yeah. um, and I hear that with comedians all the time um, where like if you yeah, just yeah. have the same jokes all over and even if they're great like you have their first year your first set and it's a great amount of jokes if you just regurgitate that you burn out fast and, and I think that's the same with artists yeah. like you have to constantly be on your feet constantly working your craft if you plan on it going anywhere like plan on making anything out of it you have to constantly evolve um which is something i gotta i gotta write down because i don't evolve very fast <laughs> um I'm, I'm a slow evolver um and so that's that's pretty cool i actually um i don't know if you have anything more on that but i have a question for you um about your art uh because you mentioned uh you i just oh yeah sorry what's up I wanted to bring it. I was just thinking about that the other day, like the correlations between artists, like freelance artists and comedians is, is very, very similar. Like oh, yeah. we always have to be working on our craft and you always, you kind of have to always be on the road when you're starting out, right? Like yeah. you have to be as, at a many events doing as many things as possible. And eventually, you know, you start to get momentum, but you really have to, yeah, just work like a dog those first couple of years. Yeah. Um, if you want to see results. Yeah, I um I haven't even seen yeah. the results, but I I did that same thing. Like I was constantly doing and weird, obscure. I was literally any opportunity I got to show work. Um, this obviously before COVID. Yeah. Anytime, like it was. I've I've done like weird charity events at bars till two in the morning, um, doing live <laughs> painting in like just places. I was like, this is why am I here? But I've also sold art in those. Uh, one one thing I learned is um. If, if you're at a bar doing live painting, um, there is a high probability of selling art to a drunk person who's trying to impress someone else. And so <laughs> you... Uh, I've, you make, uh, I've done that exact same thing. I'm not going to lie. I've been there. Dude, I, it, I've done live painting at, at drinking events, yeah. Oh, dude, it's fantastic. And you'll spend the whole night. You'll start <laughs> at like 7 o'clock, and you'll, you'll, it'll be like 11 o'clock. and be like, I haven't sold. I haven't really gotten anything. But if you can just hold out till closing, when they hit that last call... Yeah. Um, they're not just buying their last drink. They're going to buy something else. Cause, and, uh, and I always used to tell a buddy of mine, um, and he would do these two, like he would do these with me. He has a gallery in San Antonio. I just had him on the podcast recently. And uh, I remember being at a bar 
until um, two in the morning, like on a patio doing live painting and presenting our art and stuff like that. This was way back in the day. And we used to always hold out because we always knew that there was going to be somebody who drank too much, um, either wanted to impress somebody or just got excited and would buy a piece of painting. And we used to talk about, like, if there's one mistake you can do while being hammered, um, this is probably the best mistake because you're not going to wake up next to something you regretted, hopefully. Hopefully. You, didn't. <laughs> um, you would wake up to be like, hey, at least I got drunk and bought art from a local artist. You know, like that kind yeah. of thing. Um, sorry, that was a long rant, but... Uh, but yeah, that's uh, I don't even know how I got here. I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's something I learned. It's just like constantly grinding and constantly putting that in. Mm-hmm. But you um, you also said that you started with a sketchbook. So you a lot of your art's digital. Um, but are you that didn't start digital? Like you had to start pen and paper. I'm assuming, right? Yeah, like um, again, small towns. So I didn't really have access to like any art classes. Um, but on Thursdays, we would drive 40 minutes to, like, the next, uh, one of the bigger towns over, and I would take portrait drawing um, okay. from a guy who used to live in Par- Paris, like, made his living, living in Paris, doing portraits on the street. Wow. Um, so that was, yeah, that was, like, one of my very first, like, art classes. And then, of course, I got a hold of the, you know, drawing the marble way and, and drawing the manga away and, like, all those books. Um and I still do, like, I, I thumbnail everything out traditionally, and I'm always sketching. I always have a sketchbook to, to write down ideas and, and thumbnail things out. Yeah. Um, and all my graphic novels, like, I storyboard traditionally. Um, oh, really? Nice. And then, yeah, yeah. So every, I still use quite a bit of traditional work, but it's never very polished. It's always kind of the, the rougher idea stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then bec- because I've developed such a polished look digitally, and I, you know, I didn't, I kind of didn't take that route to get as good with my traditional stuff. I just feel like it ends up so much better on my computer than it does in the sketchbook. So I'm always excited for that transition into the, the digital painting. And that's where I can really experiment with things and, yeah. and do my, do my thing. Dude, that's, that's, that, I to, that totally makes sense. Um, but when you said you, you met with the guy, so that was my next question is, um, like, where'd you learn how to become such a talented artist? Like, where did you get that? Was it just this guy started and then you just looked it up? Or did you have classes? Did you go to school for this? Like, is this something, like, how'd you start? I think, um, like, growing up in in school, I didn't really, you know, I didn't excel at sports. I didn't excel in, like, academics. But my drawings seemed to get people's, like, approval and attention and so I think it, and Lego as well. I remember getting a lot of praise for like the things I was doing with Lego. Really? And I think that just kind of caught in my brain. Like, this is where I'm getting this is the it. praise, you know, yeah, yeah. my sister's getting the good marks and she's getting like, you know, the praise for their figure skating and, and good schooling. Yeah. Okay. But my drawing and, and my creative stuff seems to be getting me the praise. So I think at a very young age, that kind of set into my mind and it's never gone away that like, this is where like my worth comes from. That's awesome. And so I just was never, I never stopped drawing and you know, with anything, the more you practice, the more time you put into it, the better you get. So that kind of snowballed into a more and more serious thing until, you know, here we are doing it full time. Yeah. So you didn't, you didn't go to college or anything like that for art. You can get an arts degree or anything like that. The, uh, the graphic design course that I took the first year does have like a, uh, fundamentals of drawing and we did like figure 
like drawing and stuff like that. Okay, um, yeah. But it's just kind of, you know, getting those fundamentals a little more cemented in yeah. um, because they, you know, are, they have a lot to do with design um, fundamentals. So that's, uh, there was that. And I always, I've taken a lot of watercolor courses and um, I do figure drawing or used to do figure drawing every now and then. So I'm always like, you know, taking little courses here and there on the side, but okay, yeah. a lot of it, yeah, just kind of under my own steam. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't know if I would peg you as like an outsider artist. Uh, I have a lot of them on the podcast and I know a lot of artists who didn't go to school and uh, they tend to be, um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm kind of regretfully saying this because I do talk to a lot of artists who do go to school. Um, but a lot of the people, mm -hmm. a lot of the people that I talk to that aren't officially trained, because I, did, I didn't go to school for this. Um, they, they have a tendency to move into um, a style that is very unique, and that's where kind of where I pegged yours is your your style of your art is um, not anything I've seen. Like it, it does mimic. Like you can you can see that you have um, bits and pieces of different like manga and a little bit of Marvel and a little bit mm -hmm. of this, a little bit of like abstract and 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 kind of the way that fine art works with some of your pieces because you you a lot of your pieces are are very. I'm trying to put this in, in, in the right way, but they're very, um, they flow well. Like there's, it's almost, I don't want to say Jackson Pollock cause that's the worst example I could even say, but they splatter, like they move, like there's a lot of mess, like there's a lot of mess, but then there's these defined lines in this image. And so that's the thing where I'm saying like it almost, it's not like comic book art. It's like fine art, but with a comic book flair. Am I at a step saying that? Is that something that anyone has anyone else ever told you that, <laughs> or am I just way off? Not in so many words, no. <laughs> okay, all right, but, I'm I'm way yeah. off then. Um, that was just my thing, and so I looked at <clears throat> one of the the pieces that you did recently that I was I just I absolutely loved was your um, House of Horror. Like I love that piece, right. um, and that thing is great, but it also has like um has a storybook feel. Um, not a Marvel feel. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. It's it's got that weird storybook, um, that almost like it should be in a in a kids book. Like it has that whimsical, um, <laughs> but it's not comic booky, and it's not it's not rigid. Like it's very like, whimsical. That's probably the best word to put it. Uh, where was that word like 20 minutes ago? Um, that's how I feel about your art, man, and I absolutely love it. I didn't know. That's why I was asking. I was like, I don't know if you went to school for that because it definitely feels like you spent. Um, a lot of time learning these particular styles. And from what it sounds like, you just stepped out and touched all these different styles. Um, and, and I absolutely love it. I definitely love that. Um, I mean, I hate to, I hate to put words in your mouth. I'm just, I'm just, just fanboying out over here. Um, cause it was just, it's art that I really enjoy. And, uh, and I, I really was stoked about asking you about this stuff. Um, can I tell you my favorite piece of all time? Um, so far? Yeah. Away. And this is a this is only because I'm a huge Marvel fan, but your Iron Man is awesome. Like I love the Iron Man. The the I mean it's, it's probably the more recent one um, that you spend time with, uh, like that that I spend time with because uh, I don't I've looked through your stuff, but this one like pinpointed out. And is there where did you get? Actually, this is a better question. Where did you get your ideas from? Like where do you get like this this concept? I mean, like the House of Horrors. Like where did that come from? Was it something you were thinking about, or did you watch a movie and you were like, "This is what I want to do"? Where does that inspiration come from? Um, so, with that one in particular, um, 
I grew up watching probably horror movies a little earlier than I should have. Okay. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think when, uh, yeah, like, 8 to 11, I think, like, one of my favorite movies was uh, Tremors and, like, Aliens. Um, Very cool. Uh, I also had, yeah, I, I saw a lot of scary movies when I was quite young. <laughs> and, me too, me too. Um, yeah, and, and grow, like, I, I love creature features. They're, like, my favorite thing. And so when, whenever I, I can track one out, I'm, that's usually my first pick of something to watch while I'm working. Um, and, yeah, so I'm a big, big fan of horror movies. And um, I'm also a big fan of the cross-section, cross-section artwork in general. You know those books where it's like a battleship that's been cut in half so you kind of see the inner workings of, of yeah. everything. Or they had one for um, Star Wars, you know, like they cut the Death Star in half and a TIE fighter and yeah, you got yeah. to see. Like, I loved that stuff when I was like a kid and looking through um, books. Um, and like just concept art in general is one of my favorite types of artwork to, to kind of dive into. Um, yeah, so I've, I've had that idea kicking around for a long time, but I knew the piece was going to take forever. So I've just been, it it took a while to finally get everything together and do it. Um, but yeah, I, I just love the idea of this like dollhouse kind Mm. of scene, just full of every monster from all my favorite movies all kind of crammed together into the same house. Yeah. And I was, I was surprised. Like when I came up with the idea, I'm like, that's a cool idea, but like for sure, somebody's done that already. And so I was shocked when I, I couldn't find that exact concept anywhere else. And so, um, yeah, I just, I kind of got to it and there's, there was a couple monsters that I really, I wish I'd gotten in there. I still might, I still might add one or two but I kind of stuck with uh, like all, all my favorites. So there's all the classics. It's not a super yeah. consistently themed piece. It's just more, this is the piece I wanted to make. And um, in my career, I've found that's, that's the better route to go. Like, don't do what you think the audience wants. Do what you think looks the best, even if it's not um, consistent or not like entirely accurate. As long as like you think it's the right choice as an artist, that's always the way you should go. And yeah. that's, uh, that philosophy's served me well in the past. I think that's, that's, a, that's yeah. also amazing advice. Yeah, actually, I agree with that 100% because I, um, I've always found that it, when it comes to my art, um, the thing that I enjoy doing the most always draws out the most attention and the most effort. Um, when I have commissions, like people ask me to do things, I can do them well, um, but because that passion of it being not personally tied to my ideas or my thoughts – um, isn't always when it comes out, I'm not always as satisfied as when I'm like, Hey, yeah. I want to paint R2D2. Like, and the only reason I want to is cause I love it so much. And so mm-hmm. I agree, man. I think that, I think as far as artists go, um, a lot of times we get hung up on like, what do you, what's the newest thing coming out? And you just did a, a painting of all my favorite horror movies, um, that are majority <laughs> from like the 1980s, 1990s, like, um, yeah. not a ton of people. I mean, I, a lot of people know about them, but it's not like that wasn't trending on Twitter this week, you know, like, so you didn't just paint this right. because it was trending. You, uh, you paint it cause it's something you're passionate about and it shows. And I think, I think for all artists out there and, 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 and those who are trying to refine their craft, I, I would take your advice to extreme heart of uh, being like, don't paint things you think people want, but paint the things that you want, because maybe we're a lot like I'm talking to you and, 
I relate to you a ton. I don't even know you. Um, and I'm, I just see your art. I'm like, this guy makes art that I wish I made. Like when I see yourself, I'm like, I wish I would have made that. And, um, and I think a lot of people see that with artists who are passionate, um, about their craft, man. And, and, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I absolutely agree. Maybe that's, that's some advice. Cause I think about that all the time of being like, you know, what's the thing, what's trending, what's coming out? Like, what should I, should I yeah. be up, up to par with all the new things that are coming out? Should I really try to make this piece? And I always fall back on the things that I just enjoy. And, um, and that's fine. That's honestly, those are the ones that sell the most are the things that I enjoy. So <laughs> it should have been a kind of a yeah. clear sign, but, um, but yeah. Ooh. But, and, and I'm kind of at that, at the, like, I've come to that conclusion through trial and error. Like I, I did that when I started doing conventions, I saw, okay, everybody's got an attack on Titan piece was one that, that comes to mind. Like I hadn't really seen attack on Titan. Um, like I, I do, I, I quite enjoy anime, but I, I hadn't seen much of it, but I just saw that everybody would do it. Like everybody was drawing a piece and everybody seemed to be telling that piece. So I, I think I only watched like two episodes and I, I did my attack on Titan piece. Mm-hmm. Right. And it sold well for like two shows and then nobody really cared about it anymore. Huh. Yeah. And I think a lot of that had to, like you could kind of see in the piece that it was something that I wasn't passionate about and I didn't put like my heart into. Whereas when I do something, you know, with like the Ninja Turtles, yeah. like that's like my childhood, like in a, in a, property so i think people can kind of smell that like if you're doing something just for the yeah and i i think it comes through in the artwork and so early on when i was just trying to figure everything out i definitely did try to like you know read the audience and and do what i thought they liked, and it never worked out as well as when i just kind of did my own thing and did stuff i was passionate about that always did better than those flash in the pan pieces yeah, no, I, uh, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know, although there is one piece I did, um, and, and I put up and, uh, I've sold a ton of prints of that. I wasn't, I wasn't super, but I, I just found a niche of world of Warcraft. I did a piece, um, that had yeah. something to do with world of Warcraft, and I never played. I, I had a buddy of mine who was like, Hey, can you, can you, no, oh, no, it wasn't that it was, um, Warhammer for 40 K. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, oh, yeah, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. even more obscure and I, I did this one piece and I, he was like this is great and I was like cool uh, alright I don't know anything about this but and then that is probably my top seller when it comes to prints um, I had no <laughs> idea I tapped into a community that I didn't know existed and it's a great and mm-hmm. super loyal community um, and I keep thinking about oh, yeah. like uh, do you know do you know about uh, Warhammer 4K 40K I was actually, when I worked in video games, I was a, a content artist on um, Warhammer Horus Heresy was a, a mobile game, yeah. Really? So I did awesome. uh, like a whole bunch of environment design for Warhammer, and um, while we were working on the game, the like the Warhammer 40K like studio sent our game studio a whole bunch of the models and stuff, oh, so yeah. I kind of got like a, a small glimpse into the crazy hardcore world that is the Warhammer theme. Yeah. And man, yeah, yeah, there is a lot of effort that goes into that. 
you you can't be a casual Warhammer guy. You gotta no. you gotta buckle down and yeah, build yeah. things and paint them. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I agree, dude. And somebody mm-hmm. took my art and they were like, "Hey, I bought this thing and showed it to a ton of people." And then all of a sudden, I was like, "Why? How come every time when I sell a piece, it's always this one piece? Like, I don't even know the like who is buying this." And so apparently, there is a huge <laughs> underground Warhammer army. Um, out there that is mm-hmm. like, this is, this is what I want. This is what I live for. And, uh, I'm totally grateful. Um, I'm just kicking myself cause I should, I'm like, should I just stop making other art and just make Warhammer art? Like, is this, is this my <laughs> new career path? Um, but I don't know much about it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. You're going to have to, uh, to brush up. Cause the other thing that's going to happen is when, you know, we're able to go back to selling things in person. If you do something that you're not familiar with, the people who are going to buy it are, the hardcore fans that all they want to do is talk about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and if they're yeah. talking to the artist who did it and you have no idea <laughs> what they're talking about, so you know, that can kind of, yeah, that's yeah, that can kind bad. of squash the sale. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's, you're totally true. Well, here's the thing um, on it. So it's a, it's almost like kind of like how you said, like the diagram where you split in half, but it's, um, it's antique style. It's a style of art that I, I did a while back where I, I take watercolor paper and I stain it for a few days of coffee and tea mix. And so it makes this real oh, yeah, yeah. antique, like splotchy, very uh, sepia tone. And then I um, I sketch on it like an old school, like here's like kind of like a quill and pen. And then I write notes. And so what I have what I did is I went and did a ton of research on this one weapon that I did for Warhammer. Um, and then wrote down basically what I understood of this one weapon. And so whoever's buying this mm-hmm. art, they must approve of my interpretation. Um, it might have been Wikipedia word for word. I don't remember. It's been so long. Um, but apparently I have I've slithered through into the Warhammer community, and they respect me somehow, um, which I'm totally cool with. But, yeah, if they listen to this podcast, they'll be like, that guy's a fraud, and it'll ruin all my sales. So, um, We'll see how that goes, but yeah, you are right. Like I have, <clears throat> I've spent some time when it comes to comic book stuff and fandom stuff. Uh, people are real, like the people who are diehard for it. Like if you mess something up, uh, they'll let you know. They'll let you know quick, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is kind of the price you pay. But other than that, I love the communities behind it. Um, I love, I love that the comic book style, the fandom stuff. Um, I spend a lot of time in that and only honestly, it's not because I think it sells well. It's because I'm a fan. Like these are like Ninja Turtles is something yeah. I love. And so I, I've done multiple, I don't show them that often cause they're not as good as I think I want them to be. But, um, as much as I do fine art, uh, there's probably double comic book stuff and fandom stuff that I do. Um, because it's, it's so close to home. It's something I really, it's comforting to me. It's fun. Like it's something that inspires my imagination. Yeah. Sorry, ranted again. Um, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be interviewing no, no. you, and now it sounds like you're interviewing <laughs> me. And so, um, no worries. Well, look, man. I uh, um, the uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was uh, I was just going to lead you uh, to the next question, but what you got? Um, so I wanted to bring up this this one story because you brought up that that Hulkbuster um, Iron Man piece. Yes, um, yes. And this kind of ties into the the whole. Um, kind of gray area of fan art in general and, and selling it at conventions. Um, but one of my first couple times in New York, I had people come by the table that worked for Marvel. They were there with the Marvel crew, right? Oh, for real, yeah. Um, yeah. And they, they liked my style, and so they bought a couple things. And so the next year when I was back, I had more and more stuff. So the Marvel people brought more Marvel people over, oh. and they liked my stuff as well. 
And then I think it was year three, they, you know, again, Marvel comes by the booth, uh, the same couple of people as before. Um, and that's when I had that Iron Man piece. And they really, really liked that. And following that year, um, I was contacted to work on Ant-Man and Wasp. It's a concept artist. Really? Which then fo- followed into um, Spider-Man Far From Home. So I worked on those two films. Are you kidding me? That's because, amazing. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. Because of that Iron Man piece, because Marvel people saw it and really like, liked the style and liked what I was doing, that's what got me in the door. Dude, that's Amazing. And so I use this story a lot when people are, you know, like it, it is kind of a, a gray area when you're, if you're just tracing screenshots of an anime and, and passing it off as your own, that's one thing. But when people are taking beloved characters and running them through the filter of their own style and like their own process and doing like a fresh new take on them, yeah. that's what like not only the fans love, but the original creators seem to really appreciate that as well. It's, that's uh, yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. I can't. I didn't know that. That's uh, that's awesome, babe. That's a that's a. I mean, that's a story that I aspire to. I'd love to um, be able to participate on that. But you're right. Like, kind of regurgitating copied images is never going to get you. I mean, what does it say about the artist? But when you can come out with something that you have created on your own that catches the eye of the people who work in that. Um, that's awesome, dude. That's 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 a story to tell. Like that's amazing. That's that's amazing. Um, hey, I uh, and it's like that's not all. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. Um, I have to. I'm running out of measures on my recording. It can can we take a small oh, break? Sure. And let me call you. I know we're pushing the 45 minute mark, but um, can I call you right back and we'll pick up right where we left off? Perfect. Chat right. in. Hey, so hopefully you've picked up on this that uh, that I'm an artist. Um, that you most likely know. But what you might not know is I have a ton of artwork for sale up on my Etsy shop. So if you go to etsy.com slash shop slash pardon will, um, you can check out all my work. I got prints and originals up there. But as a special thank you to all the listeners of this podcast, um, if you use promo code podcast at my shop, um, you'll get 10% off. Um, and if that's difficult to find, you can also go to my website, pardonwill.com, and there's a little tab there that has uh, prints and stuff like that. You can go and uh, scope out all my artwork. But yeah, just as a thank you for being a listener, and uh, and hopefully you enjoy this podcast, and hopefully you'll enjoy my art. So go to my Etsy, that's etsy.com slash shop slash pardonwill, or my website, pardonwill.com, and use promo code podcast. Hey, and we're back. Hey, we are back, dude. Um, yeah, so I, uh, <clears throat> I know we were on a conversation, but I had a, I had another question uh, to ask you. Um, that's a little bit more. It's not. <clears throat> it's a little bit more in depth because um, I started off as a quick intro. I started off as a, as a fine artist. Like I, I worked with um, some of the things that I thought about, and it wasn't until later that I moved into doing some comic book style stuff. And there's, there's a. A reason behind that, whereas it, it sounds like you started off doing those things that you really loved, the things that you really um, chased after, things that you really found inspiration behind. Um, and so one of the questions I want to ask you is, is there something about, like, the fandoms? Like, is there is there something about that concept that really, like, what is it about, uh, like, Star Wars and, and Marvel and, and manga that really drives you, that makes you want to pursue that? Is it is it just the love of it, or is there something behind that as well? Like, was that something that you your childhood? It's just reminiscent of, and you're attached to it, or 
Is there something deeper? I don't know if that's a weird, that's a weird question for me to ask because I'm asking it myself at the same time. So um, mm -hmm. sorry about that. <laughs> but I was thinking no, about no. that. No, no, let's, yeah, let's see, let's see if I can do this. Okay, so <clears throat> I think um, like starting out, like when I was drawing traditionally before I kind of started to do this a little more um, professionally, those were the things that like I would, I would, choose to draw right like robots and and anime stuff i was a big gundam and, and dragon ball fan very cool i'm um, yeah. growing up and then uh video games were pretty big for me i got like you know my playstation 1996 and like never really put it down after that yeah um and, and so those were yeah i think big components of my my creative beginnings were were things like that um but that's not to say like that's not like all I, I didn't get to just keep, you know, drawing that stuff and, and make my career around it. I had to, you know, do a lot of projects for a lot of other people and work for a lot of um, companies on, on things that were, you know, really not my, wouldn't have been something that I would have ever done on my own. Yeah. But doing all those like little projects, like making other people's books and working on uh, artwork that's not in my style, like all that stuff kind of, taught me all all the pieces of the toolkit that I needed to do a better job of drawing those things that I loved so much. Yeah. You know, like if I if I didn't take on all that client work and, and work at all those jobs and do all those projects that were kind of out of my comfort zone, I don't think I'd be nearly as good at what I do as I am now. Yeah. And I think like now I'm I'm at that point in my career where people are hiring me for my specific style, right? Like they don't they don't want me to try to draw like this other guy. They want me to draw in the style that they're seeing. Yeah. Um, but it took a long time to kind of get there and a lot of projects that, that weren't necessarily fun or, or some that didn't go anywhere. And, um, you know, so you kind of have to, you have to really work your way up. And I don't know any artist who's really, you know, been able to shortcut their way into, uh, into just, doing their own thing a hundred percent of the time. Most of them have to do, you know, a lot of other projects before they can really make money on their own. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, so, I yeah. think so. I think you're right on that because I've done, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before of like having to do commissions and, and people ask you to do things mm -hmm. that aren't, aren't necessarily in your flavor or what you're thinking about doing at the time. Um, and I have that a lot. Like I, I, uh, I mean, honestly, the podcast is one of the things that, I tried something new and I was like, I want to, I want to do this because it's going to help my craft. Even if it's not something like right now, I, although that's, this is kind of a passion project. Like I love doing this. Like I love um, talking to artists and picking their brains about how they feel about their art and what they're doing with it and how they want to move forward. But um, a lot of my day is spent doing things that I don't always want to do. And, uh, but mm -hmm. because they're creative, uh, like if I get a commission, it, it teaches me something Kind of what you were saying, like it teaches me to uh, have to suffer through something uh, that I don't want to do, but it helps build my craft on the back end. And so I had this conversation yeah. with uh, with another guest of mine uh, previously of just being eclectic, of being like, sometimes you, you do things that you don't know if you're going to be good or you don't know if you're going to do it well, um, but it, it helps create your craft. The thing that you love um, helps it do, do it better. Like you just learn from being kind of a renaissance person. Like you learn from doing graphic design or building logos, which is obviously not something mm -hmm. that you, that 
I mean, maybe you really enjoyed doing logos, but I would assume, um, I would assume Ninja Turtles is something you'd rather be making, right? <laughs> like you, instead of doing like a, a baseball logo, you'd rather be like, I'd rather do Ninja Turtles. Um, but that, that not as thing. much, a, a, a baseball logo, but I often find reasons or rationales to, I, I quite enjoy drawing or designing logos. It was my favorite part of being a really? designer. So, uh, there's quite a few projects where I'll design a logo to go like, uh, I'll make up a fake robotics company or, um, like all my, my graphic novels, all the typography are, are kind of logograms. Like I, I do love doing that still. Really? Um, oh, that's and it, awesome. it's, I, it's so, it, it hurts my heart when I'm walking down like an artist alley in like a big city and I see, you know, somebody who's like, you know, a Marvel or DC legend that has like, um, comic sans font on oh, top God. of their big banner, right? Like <laughs> typography. Yeah. yeah. Having that, that little edge of typography, has helped me so so much and so I, I really like that about having that graphic design skill set and I, I do yeah quite enjoyed logos doing logos oh, well that's I mean that's totally not what I yeah. would have thought I would have um, but I yeah. actually like that <laughs> when you point that out like here's a famous Marvel person with Comic Sans over it um, I'm not much yeah. of a graphic designer at all um, but I I can tell when something is not what it should be like you could have put like it's weird to see something really good um, and then have something really bad on top of it um, kind of throws off mm -hmm. the entire design. I remember hearing a Ted talk of a guy who was all, he was talking about design and uh, it's the weird, subtle things. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with your art is um, maybe because you can pick out like that font is bad from doing graphic design. Like I know what feels good, what fits and, and you can take a good piece of art and take a bad font and ruin the piece of art um, and he was talking yeah. about, he, he was talking about cars. So he was talking about like, um, the weird subtle things like in a BMW was the first one to where you open the door. And when you shut the door, when you get inside, instead of the light, just clicking off, um, it slowly sighs off. Like it has a weird right. to it. And he was talking about yeah. those subtle, those subtle artistic designs almost make, almost present your art in a better fashion and i think i think that's something i need to learn like i gotta figure that part out but um i don't i don't i never did logos like i never paid attention to like calligraphy and and, and those kind of font styles and so um it's real interesting that that's kind of something that you dabbled in it, i think it definitely presents in your art um your your, your style man like you have <clears throat> you have a, a weird way of moving uh or like presenting a piece of color where it's on a, whereas in other people might have mixed up the background, yours is like bright color on white. Um, I know it sounds simple yeah. to anyone hearing, but to me as an artist, um, I struggle with that all the time of being like, what, what's a good contrast? And you seem to have nailed it um, really well. Uh, and so I, I really appreciate that. I, I didn't know that you did logos and that was something that you, uh, that, that, that was something that you really were passionate about. That's really cool. Yeah, and I'd like all those clean pieces, I think that comes from a love of um, like clean design. Like you know, like uh, when I had to do websites and interface designs and, and brochures and stuff like that, it like kind of the cleaner and the more minimalist is kind of what I kind of strayed towards. Yeah, and so like very early in my illustration career, I did this one piece um, based off uh, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. 
Nice. And it's um, it's just Cloud and Sephiroth kind of standing off, and they're black silhouettes, and it's a white background. And they're just on either side of the, the piece, and in the middle is a little block of text saying, I will never be a memory, which is a, a line from the Advent Children movie. And I, I did this, like, in the same Illustrator document that I think I was working on some, like, corporate logo for. I was just, like, I had the idea, and I, I kind of did it in a lunch hour in the same file, and that piece has like, if you search Final Fantasy seven wallpaper or artwork, it's one of the first things that comes up in Google images. Oh yeah. It has spread across the internet, like a, like a virus. I, I have a whole folder dedicated on my computer to people who've got it as tattoos. Really? And I don't know, like I've, <laughs> I've never been contacted by a lot of these people. I just get tagged in their pictures eventually. Yeah. Um, but all over those, the world, this piece has been spread. Uh, when I did a, a convention in Australia, people recognized, like, oh my God, you're the guy who did that. Yeah. And as a kid who grew up on a farm in rural <laughs> Manitoba, like, yeah. that's pretty mind blowing that, that this yeah. simple, clean piece that I did in a lunch hour has that kind of reach. Yeah, no, I agree. Imagine if that font was Comic Sans, like, that would, <laughs> that would have totally yeah. failed <laughs> everything. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, and I, like I can only imagine having done a convention in Australia just in the first place. Like, why am I in Australia? Um, and then to have people come up and be like, I recognize your stuff from this. Or um, yeah, yeah. people do that, tattoos, that's got to be a, a really big thrill. Um, and that's a, that was kind of... <clears throat> I, uh, I enjoy... I'm trying to word this right. Um, I enjoy the wordplay... In, inside of art, like I, I wanted to do that for a long time, and I, I figured out my own style with that. But when did was that something that came from doing like logos and stuff like that? I mean, because to be honest, not many people, other than like comic and the, the word bubbles, not many people introduce words to their art. Um, and for you to be able to be like, hey, this is something I think that would work well, and it succeeds drastically, like, um, was that something that just came to you, or like, hey. I don't just want to do a piece of art, but I want to add some dialogue into it. Yeah. Like I, I don't do a whole lot of anymore. Like if uh, I'm trying to think here, like just like early on when, when I was working as a graphic designer, like that, that's part of the, the, the gig is like, you know, balancing the typography with the, the actual images. Yeah. So I started to play around with that in my more illustrative pieces um but now lately like um usually it's it's kind of i'll design a logo and then put it on the robot um i I did a recent piece cat fort where i designed like a whole logo branding packages to uh to go with that um i every once in a while like the graph designer in me like feels the need to do something yeah um so one project that I really liked that never really took off, but I had a lot of fun doing it was called, um, 2039, no, 3029. Yeah. 3029 was a bunch of robots in really nice suits. So it almost looks like a fashion magazine, but they're, they're robots. They have like, you know, very robotic heads. Um, and so I designed a whole branding package to go with it. So it was these three super stylish robots in suits. And then the logo is this like hexagon kind of, typography and then i mocked it up on like a storefront window as if it was like an actual store that was opening and stuff like that yeah um and yeah just kind of like marrying those two worlds of 
of concept art illustration and, and graphic design. Like I, it's just a fun, fun place to play around. And, and yes. so, yes. yeah, I, I do that when I can. I think uh, I, I don't think a lot of artists have that skill, um, and I think a lot of that you're actually probably one of the first graphic designers that spend time with. I mean, I've talked to animators and stuff like that, but um, as far as just graphic design goes, um, that's why I enjoyed this this conversation of being able to be like, okay, so what is the world that you're in? Um, I would have to say that has to do a lot with um, your style, definitely um, coming through, and so I I makes me want to get more into it. Um, Although I, I, it's I don't know if it's too late in the game for me to start trying to play with that. But I'm wondering how that um, affects other artists in their craft of being like, hey, if you were to add, if you were trying to sell this to a company for their product, like, what would what would be the thing that would evolve your craft? Like, how would you present it in a different way? Um, that would be something that's kind of a logo or or using font and i would probably take my art and slap comic sans on it and uh ruin it completely <laughs> and so that, that would probably be something i did um and i've made videos before and they're just awful um and i'm i just still do it because i haven't learned my lesson but um but yeah i think that's i think I, I now that you say that i can definitely see that in your art of being like very subtle with every little thing um, makes a difference. Like you're very subtle with with what color you add and and uh, where your placement is, especially when it comes to words. That's really mm -hmm. that's really cool, man. Um, that's, so that's, some uh, no, you're good. The uh, like some kind of world, real world application where you can really see the like where this this graph design kind of mentality is really paying off is um, my brand chasing artwork. Right, I'm not. Uh, a name that's kind of hard to pronounce or like, I'm not just, you know, the art of Justin Curry, which, which is fine that you could do that. But as a designer, I was kind of like brought up to like, you should create like your own kind of company logo and your own kind of company brand. Yeah. And I really like that idea for a couple of different reasons. Um, so now, like since I want to say around 2010, 11, I've been, you know, very consistent and very like um, front forward with the chasing artwork brand. So when I go to cities over and over and over again, they're not going to necessarily remember my name. Yeah. They'll remember the artwork and they'll remember the logo, which is slapped on everything, including every piece of artwork that I sell goes into a clear bag with a big chasing artwork on it Very that cool. then gets walked around the floor by that person. Yeah. And the amount of sales that I've made from people walking with my bag and somebody stopping them and going like, Hey, where'd you get that? And then being able to like, you know, it's a chasing artwork booth over in that direction. And then they can find that logo from far away. Cause it's at the very top of my booth. Yeah. Um, they can track me down that way. And I have, yeah, multiple conversations a day of people saying like, I saw somebody with your bag and I tracked you down. Um, and so like, that's kind of been like, I've been able to, you know, see tangible results of branding working year after year that way. Yeah, that's a, that's actually something I, well, I got to write this one down again. Cause I'm not, I'm so, <laughs> I'm just not, I'm just not inclined to, to think like, like that. And, uh, that's, I, I did just talk to an artist recently who was, um, when they mail something out, they have like, uh, their own packaging in that. And I have mm -hmm. my own little tricks and in, in the trade that I, uh, that I attempt, but, um, I never thought, 
I never paid attention to branding till very recently because I've kind of veered away from the idea of branding because I didn't know anything about it and it felt unfamiliar to me of being like, how do I brand myself um, in, in the artwork that I do? Um, and so I've just recently got into that. And so I'm starting to pick up, like when I, when I sell a painting or when I sell a, a print online, to when, when I s send it out, like the packaging is half of the art. Like part of the art is like, yeah. okay, they bought this. But half of the art is how it's presented. And um, I've known that because I've had a gallery before, and, and I know that like presenting is half of it. But I never thought about taking that and pulling it into um, mailing stuff out or like art, you know, like those kind of things. And so I'm moving into that now. Um, but that's really cool. I heard that from another artist. They were like, yeah, I sent it out with a package um, with a logo. And someone said like, hey, I saw your package. I don't know if they were a mailman or something like that. And they're like, even on this, this UPS package, um, had your stamp. And so I just looked it up and, and they ended up buying a piece of art. So those weird, subtle things are, uh, make a huge difference, especially in our world. Um, they where, do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that idea. I gotta get bags, man. Um, I gotta get bags with my, with my name <laughs> on it. Um, when it came to chasing artwork, where'd that come from? Like, what was the thing behind that? So the, um, the idea behind that was like, especially like early on in my career, um, I just, yeah, noticed the more you practice, the better you got, right? Like, especially, um, it's, it seems, uh, like, especially evident in drawing. When you're drawing, like, characters over and over again, like, over a couple weeks, you get better and better and better. So you look at work that was, like, half a year to a year ago, and if you've been working away, you, you kind of hate stuff that you did Oh yeah. before. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. right? Like, you, yeah. you can see yourself get better uh, very, very visually. Yeah. Um, so the idea with that was, um, you're always chasing your best piece. You're never going to get it. The best piece is always going to be the next one. Very so you're cool. always chasing your bet, chasing your artwork. Yeah. Um, and then my logo is a, uh, it's a white whale jumping out of the ocean. Cause I, I'm also a big fan of whales and I like the Moby Dick story. So it's oh, kind yeah. of that, a tie in with the chasing your obsession. Like you're never going to get it. You're never going to do your perfect piece. You always should be chasing after it. Though. That's brilliant. Um, the idea that you're never going to do that perfect one. It's always the next one and the next one and the next one. Yeah. Um, that's a phenomenal motivation. Although I, uh, yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think that's, that's, that's a cool, I mean, the whale thing is, is I didn't even realize that, that that was something, um, that kind of Moby Dick kind of thing, your, your white whale. Uh, being your perfect thing. Uh, I just thought of the metaphor of it eating me. Um, so that I was like, well, your perfect piece is always going to devour you um, in some form or fashion. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> I think, uh, I think that works actually, actually really well for artists. Um, yeah. Man, Cause you should always be learning, right? You should always, always be trying, like trying new mediums, learning new things. Like, you know, the day you stop learning is the day you stop growing. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure who said that, but it's, you know, one of those quotes that, yeah, you should always be, always be learning and growing. And, and yeah, so I've, I've really taken that to, to heart. And so I'm never, you know, one project is just a stepping stone to another. I'm never going to be finished, you know, I'm never going to be done. Um, and I think like we, we talked at the beginning again, like that Hollywood perception of, of how artwork works, right? Like in the movies, it always seemed like, the artist kills themselves for that one project. Yeah. And when it's done, you know, their life's complete. 
Yeah. And that always kind of sat wrong, right? Because you can't, ever, you can't just do the one thing and then be done. Like what, what happens, you know, you always have to be doing something else. You gotta, you gotta do the next thing and the thing after that, like yeah. how, how much would that suck if you just did the one book and then, you know, That's threw it. in the towel. Yeah. Most of the time when that happens in Hollywood, um, it's most of the time it's a, it turns really bad at the end. I think of like <laughs> childhood stars and they, they have their one big hit and then it's all downhill from there. And so I was like, mm-hmm. you're right. Like when you, when you hit that, that one piece, like this is the ultimate, um, chances are if you don't continue to try to build that past, you're right. Like it's kind of downhill from there. Um, right. Your white whale kills you before you kill it. And so, um, yeah, no, I totally, I totally makes it. Sorry, I went really dark with that. I didn't realize how, to, like, my mentality was like, I'm, I'm really into being eaten by whales. Um, so that was something that was new to me, uh, just kind of discovering on that. But yeah, I agree, man. And that's that's something for me as an artist, just thinking about all the time because every artist wants that one piece that they that they sit down and go, okay, uh, this is this is better than I even thought it was going to be. And that rarely, like, rarely does that happen for any artist that I talk to that they sit down and they, the thing that they want um, comes out perfectly. Like it never is. It's never. And I think that's good. Mm. Like, I think it's perfectly fine. Like to be okay and be satisfied and be content with the art that you created, but to not want more is something that's just not, it's not human. Like you need, you need to continue to build that up. Like you can't just, you can't just stay there and be stagnant with being like, and that's the kind of thing when it comes to even styles of art. Like I, I spent a lot of time doing this one particular style and then I I sit on it for a while. I'm like, all right, well, this is good. But if I just sat here, like if I was, I hate to bring up Jackson Pollock again, but if I was just Jackson Pollock and I was like, I splatter art, um, not to rag on the guy. Like I, he's a better artist than I ever will, will be um, in, in some kind of relative sense. Um, but just be like, this is the thing that I do. And when I do it, uh, it sells. Um, but I'm never going to try to draw. Like, I'm just not going to do that. And so it's like, well, what? at one point in time, are you like, this is this is the style of art that I make. I'm just going to make this particular style over and over and over again and not expand, not grow, not try, not try yeah. illustration or shading or anything like that. Just I'm going to put colors down and I'm going to mix them around. And um, since it sells, I'm going to stay on this. Um, it blows my mind. I don't think, I think that's, that's probably why artists have a tendency to cut their ears off and kill themselves is because they stick <laughs> with one thing and uh, they think that that might be it. Um, sorry, I went on a long yeah, rant um, about suicide and you know? uh, Van Gogh, so uh, <laughs> went down that route. Well, it didn't work out too well for him, right? Like, he it never didn't. saw any success, right? It did It all happened after he was gone. Yeah. Um, and that's probably going to be my story is hopefully if, if anything happens, it'll be after I'm gone. And then I'll, uh, I'll, then, then maybe everything will come to fruition. But, uh, but yeah, I have a, I have another question. I don't know how much time you have, but I want, I want to ask you this. Um, unless yeah. you have something else to add to that. I didn't mean to cut you off. If you want to continue on the suicide, uh, uh Van Gogh route, <laughs> we can, we can do that. I don't mind going down that route. Um, <laughs> it's just up to you. <laughs> No, I think like the only other thing I wanted to to add is um, like it, I think it's also kind of a like a self preservation mechanism in in a lot of artists is if they put all their eggs in that one basket like if that one graphic novel that one project if that's the if that's 
everything and it fails, like that'll crush you. Right. Yeah. But if, if that project is just a stepping stone to the next one and you have three more ideas for other books that you want to do, and then a bigger project that you want to eventually get to as well, if that immediate project isn't a booming success, it doesn't, it doesn't kill your creative soul. Right. Like it's yeah. like, okay, yeah. that sucks, but don't worry. Like I'm, I'm still doing this and I'm still doing that. And I'm still doing the other thing. Right. You're kind of, you're, you're hedging your bets. You're putting, you know, your efforts, not just all in that one thing. And so when things are successful, that's great. But if they, if they're not like, if they don't shatter the world, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't end your creative career as well. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I actually, um, on that. Yeah, I agree Dude, that. Um, that's something I talk to artists about all the time is, um, people putting all their efforts into their, their particular, like the one art piece, like you said. Um, right. And the thing that, that blows my mind is you're uh, and I, I say this to artists because I, I talked to a few and I had a buddy of mine who would make really good art, but he had a hard time selling it. Like he had a hard time, like letting it go. He never made prints. He would just make fine art and uh, he would grow mm -hmm. so attached to these. And, and I, I don't know if that has something to do with like, this is my, this is my white whale or, or something like that. But um, when it comes to being like, if this project doesn't work the way this is, this is all my eggs are in this basket and it fails. Um, yeah. Then I'm crushed. But the, the concept is all your eggs should be in, in you. Like, I mean, that sounds weird, um, but you're the basket. Like it should be in you. And so whatever you create is not something that is like, that's something that produces you're the spring and what you create is the river. So everything's coming out of you anyway. So why would you assume mm -hmm. that your destiny is built into something? Your destiny is built into you and your ability to create more. So um, I, I talk with artists about that all the time of people being overly attached to a goal and the goal should never right. be producing that thing. It should be, um, changing you, like getting to where you produce multiple things and it should never be like, I want, like, I understand goals. Goals are great. Um, I have very few yeah. and I achieve even fewer. Um, but, uh, my goal isn't like, even with the pocket, my goal isn't to be like this famous podcaster. My goal is to become a better person. Um, to become more knowledgeable, mm -hmm. to become better artists, to become a better uh, person who can conversate and, and, and move in those realms. And that only comes from doing it. There's no way. I mean, I can fail, but there's never a, there's never a golden goose that I slaughtered. Like it's always uh, moving forward. You know, it's always that. And so, sorry, I expanded yeah. on that. You, you tapped into something that I've been thinking yeah. about for a long time. And I was like, man, Mm -hmm. that's so true like the the idea that you're going to hit this big break the big break isn't the art piece the big break is you getting to a point where you can move into that like you can create multiple big breaks like multiple right art pieces yeah and i think that like the difference is like you're you're more of a lifelong artist like you've got that built-in mentality whereas we see that other side is people who are just kind of you know dipping a toe into the pond of like i'm gonna make a comic and I'm going to put a lot of money and a lot of effort into making this one comic. And then like, I'm done, you know, you, you see people who don't necessarily have the, the creative drive. Like they love the idea of, I, I see it a lot with kids books, you know, like a lot of people want to make their kids books, but they don't have the skill set or the, um, you know, like they can't draw it themselves, but they, they've got the idea. And so they'll pay somebody to do this. Um, and like, before a couple of years of, or earlier in my career, I, I did a lot of kids books with a lot of different authors 
And the thing that I saw over and over again is they've been thinking about this kid's book for a long time. So they work with, they work with somebody like me to get it done. And then when it's done, you go to the printing press and the printing press is going to say, okay, you can print 500 books and it's going to be $10 a book, or you can print 5,000 books and it's going to be $3 a book. And so many people fall into this trap of like, oh, well, the cost per unit is way better at 5,000 books. And this is my baby, right? This is my like dream project. So I'm going to print 5,000 books. And they do that. And then they didn't realize, you know, how hard it is to move 5,000 books. And I know, like I can list off the top of my head, like five different people who I know for a fact have huge stacks of books sitting in a garage or a storage unit or a basement somewhere that was printed years ago. And those books are never going to move. And part of that is because they just did the one book. Nothing sells your first book, like your second book, like your third book, like your fourth book, but they just did the one book. They put all their eggs in that basket. And unfortunately that book didn't, you know, didn't go viral. Um, so now they're, they're done. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good lesson to learn, but I think you're right. Like, I think it's the difference between people, um, being creative in one stint thing, it's going to carry them on. And then those who are, uh, are creative naturally and have that l- lifelong drive to move. Like mm-hmm. if I thought about like, Hey, I want to make a kid's book. Um, chances are while I'm making that first one, I'm already thinking about the second one or the third. Um, yeah, because I always yeah. know it's going to be when you, when I make a piece of art, I always think the same thing you do. Like this is good, but because this is good, that means my next one's going to be better because I've just did, yeah. I just did this. Like there's only moving forward. There's no going back. And, um, I mean, honestly to think that you're just going to make a book and then it become viral either one, you're extremely lucky or you're extremely foolish. Um, you have to pick, yeah. one, you know, and maybe you're both, maybe you're foolish and you got lucky, <laughs> but um, there's no way there's, it very rarely happens. Yeah. 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 And I would think like, <laughs> like a, uh, JK Rowling, like a Harry Potter. I don't even know her story. I haven't got her on the podcast yet, so I can't think of it. But, yeah. um, the idea of being like, was, was her first book successful or did the first one become successful after the third, you know, like what happened? There? She, she got rejected for years. Like she tried to sell the Harry Potter books to like, I, I don't know the number, but it was quite a few publishers got manuscripts for the first Harry Potter book and nobody wanted it. Really? Right. Like it was, I didn't know it took that. her a yeah. long time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't, she, she wrote it on the bus, I believe like to and from her job. Like she just was writing it. Um, and then, yeah, it took her quite a while to find a publisher who would take a chance on it. Right. Wow. And then yeah. it was just kind of the, I don't know exactly how it happened after that, but I, I know there's, there's quite a few publishers out there who are probably kicking themselves for real. It, yeah. yeah. But I like how, how common is that story, right? Like how many people didn't think star Wars was ever going to work out. And that was a dumb idea that they wanted nothing to do with. Like almost every big franchise starts with a story like that. It's, it's never green lights from the get go. Yeah, it never is. But here's, and this is what I would add to it. So she, if, if, and I'm assuming like, so I would say this is years of her trying to push the first Harry Potter manuscript, like the first book. She probably spent at least a year pushing that to, and getting rejected, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. I guarantee she was already writing the second one while she was getting rejected for the first. 
Like, there's no way she wasn't well, already moving yeah. into that. Um, well, you can tell. Like, she had pieces, like, the stuff that happens in, like, the last books tied into the, the beginning, right? Like, she had oh, yeah. a bunch of ideas that, like, came full circle. And I don't think that's a mistake. I think, like, she lived in that world in her head yeah. for a very long time and figured a lot of things out. Um, hoping, like, I'm sure she, she didn't know if she was going to get to tell the entire story. Um, but she wasn't, yeah, I think the, the point to take away here is she didn't just want to make that one book. She wanted to make a, an entire universe. Yeah. You know, she wanted to, she had a much bigger story in, in, in mind that she wanted to make. Yeah, no, I would have to assume yeah. so. And that, I think that's what drives, I think when it comes to even artists or writers or, or poets or, or even songwriters, like you, the idea that you're going to make the one hit, um, is, is just not going to, it has to be a, that has to be a concept that's dumb um, to think that that even if you were like I'm, I'm a musician and I want to make that one big hit like the one big single, um, like there's a whole movie about one hit wonders like that's like that's a thing yeah. like that never works out so you always have to be pushing yourself beyond whatever like golden goose that is whatever white whale you're trying to do there's always there should always be the next thing like the next chasing that next one. Uh, chasing artwork, dude. Yeah. You came full circle. Yeah, right yeah. Around. There um, you go. <laughs> I mean, let me ask you one question real quick, uh, because this is personal. Mm -hmm. This is between me and you. Um, out of all the fandom stuff you do, out of all superheroes and anime and all that stuff, what is your favorite thing to do? Like, which one is your favorite? Like, what is your pride and joy of, of those fandoms? Um, so... It's ah, that's a that's a tough question. Um, so, like, not necessarily my favorite thing to watch, but my favorite thing to draw. Yeah, that, are yeah. Gundams. Or what? Um, Gundams. Okay, I don't know that. I don't like, know that one. Uh, so, Mobile Suit Gundam is kind of the. Um, it does something. I don't familiar. know if they were exactly first, but. Basically, these yeah, huge Japanese mechs with like uh, oh, pilots okay. in them. It's been going on. To, yeah, yeah, I the know. The series what you're has about. kind of been going on. Yeah, so like I, I've watched. Uh, I grew up um, watching Gundam Wing on like YTV. I, I only caught a couple episodes, but then I got a hold of the the movie. the The series ended with a movie called Endless Waltz, and so I had this VHS movie, and so I didn't know a whole lot of the story. I just had the really high-end animation movie of these big mechs ripping each other apart. And, like, it's a gorgeous-looking film. Okay, um, yeah. And so I've, I've really been hooked on on those, like, since. So I don't necessarily keep up with all the, the shows, because there's quite a few at this point. But there's nothing I, I enjoy drawing more than them. Very and cool. it's kind of like that Warhammer thing that you talked about before. Like, the, the yeah. people who are into it, are really, really, really into, into it. it. Yeah. And um, the, the other thing is not a lot of people draw them because they're such rigid, straight-line designs. It's almost like drawing cars. Mm. Like a lot of artists don't draw Gundams. Um, but because my style is kind of more uh, like rigid and sharp, it works really, really well. So I've kind of hit this perfect niche of my style and that fandom and that fan base. And uh, so I absolutely love drawing Gundams, and the Gundam community seems to just eat up yeah. all all my artwork based on it. 
Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I actually, it, that's a rude question for me to ask because I don't have a favorite either. Like, I don't have a favorite thing I like to draw, so it's kind of a jerk of me to ask that, but I was curious about that. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. I definitely, I, when you said that, I was like, oh, now I know, because I've seen a lot of your artwork. I mean, a lot of it, I'm like, I don't know where this comes from, um, but I enjoy it. I, I think what you're talking about, like the Gundams, I actually may have... Uh, I thought they were Transformers, because you've done Transformers stuff before. Um, I have, yeah, yeah. And I, maybe I've just kind of drawn that in, because I'm not, I'm not a huge Transformer person, other than, like, what I remember as a cartoon as a kid. Um, and obviously the movies that have come out recently. Um, but other than that, I was like, I, I have to look into this Gundam thing. Like, I had no idea what it was. <laughs> um, so that's really cool. If you, if you were to pick, like, all right, here's a, these are all weird personal questions. Um, since you've worked in this realm, I kind of think I already know the answer. But if you were to pick, because are you a comic guy? Like, you, did you grow up like reading comic books and stuff like that? Yeah, I have. Uh, growing up, my my grandma used to work at a, a drugstore, and so I have all these Silver Age comics without their cover. Oh, nice! Because yeah. back in the day, yeah, back in the day, like all these um, like comics used to be like in like every drugstore and grocery <clears throat> store, like all over the place. And if they didn't sell, you could rip the front cover off and send it back to the uh, distributor okay, and get yeah. like a refund. Yeah. So then the, the coverless comics were, were worthless, <clears throat> but I have like hundreds of them. So I grew up reading like all these awesome Silver Age, like Fantastic Four and Hulk and, and Spider-Man without the covers. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I still love them to death. But uh, yeah. So no, huge, huge into comics. Okay, yeah. Well, that was, actually, you just yeah. answered my question because my question was going to be: Are you a Marvel or DC guy? I would have to. Yeah, that one's tough. You know, really, like, I love really? like, like currently, I, I quite enjoy what like everything that Marvel is doing. Yeah, but I mean. Batman and Superman were such a big part of my childhood. I can't really. It's hard. Leave them out. Um, yeah. yeah, I you know. I'm not really on one side of the fence or, or, or either. I wish, uh, I wish DC was doing a better job with their movies, but then they do a really good job on, um, like their animated films are amazing. And, uh, some of their like TV show stuff has been great. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to ignore the the crazy giant that Marvel has become in the film industry and it's hard and everything they're doing seems to be uh, a home run. I don't know if you've been watching the, uh, Vision, um, oh, Wanda Vision, yeah, but holy crap! Oh, god, so I good. had no, yeah. I didn't really <laughs> care about that, I had no expectations, but I watched the first five episodes, and dude, I'm so into it. Oh man, it's so good! And um, <laughs> I've listened to a ton yeah. of podcasts who talk like I'm big into the comic realm, not I'm not a huge comic guy. I have, uh, I mean, I say that I don't know how to, I don't know where I am relative to other people who enjoy comics, um, uh, but even if, if you walk into my house down the, the main hallway through my house. Um, along the wall are old 1969 and 70 comic books framed. Um, oh, so nice. I've always enjoyed them, but I, I, like I said, I don't, I can't, I don't, I'm not super deep into it. But um, as soon as Marvel, I'm a Marvel guy. Like the only saving grace mm -hmm. for DC for me is Batman um, because he's a, the most yeah. human, even though he's like a rich billionaire. Uh, but he's the most human to <laughs> me. Everyone else kind of feels, honestly, Batman and Green Lantern have always been my favorite in the DC. But when it comes to Marvel, mm -hmm. man, um, there's so much more in Marvel, and I've always been a giant Stan Lee fan. Um, so that one's that was that was kind of where I was like, I want to know what your your thoughts are on those. But yeah, Wandavision. What do you think? Um, I'll have this as my last question. What do you think is behind the Wandavision thing? Uh, 
because we because it's coming out like this is Thursday night we're recording. There's a new episode coming out. Uh, what do you think? What do you what do you think they're going to show? Uh, like tomorrow, there's a new episode coming out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Like episode five or six. Like, what do I think? Like, is going on, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like what do you think is what do you think's happening? Like, uh, this is just insider spoiler alert. Um, it's getting, yeah, yeah. It's getting crazy uh, in Wandavision. So yeah. please which, don't listen to this if yeah if you haven't seen it. But yeah. I think it's um, I think Wanda's just gone like crazy with grief and it's just kind of unleashed this untapped power that's been kind of there the whole time but like in her grief she's just kind of had a had a like psychotic break and so she's just kind of created this rearranged her entire world to kind of work through the death of vision um so i think it's just it's a hundred percent like her just kind of like tumbling down her own mind which just turns out to be way more powerful than anybody realized i i well i agree too i mean that was kind of the thing but um i also don't i don't know man because there was that whole scene in the last episode of her being like i don't know how this happened i don't know how this started and then um there's a whole theory and i'm gonna i'm gonna lean towards i think it's mephisto man like i think it's mephisto um, pulling the strings behind yeah. this whole thing i do because i mean obviously the big the big seller was when uh, Dottie was, I mean, this is going deep into this. So if anyone listening, they're like, I haven't seen WandaVision. Well, none of this is going to make sense. Um, but Dottie was like the devil's in the details. And, uh, and some of the weird comments, like when Agnes was like, Dottie is in charge of the town. Like if you want anything done here, you have to go through her. Um, and then there's Mm -hmm. some, there's some other things like in the Loki trailer, there's an obvious like scene where there's a stained glass window behind him find like the people in the scene um and it looks it's basically like a, a weird like stained glass would would normally look like a christianity stained glass with like jesus but it's mephisto it's like the devil um and there's a whole bunch of other stuff man and it's hard for me to think like i agree wanda's going through like the grief but i feel like something's manipulating her in her vulnerable state uh, but we'll see we'll we'll see man and i'll probably see i'm in new york so i'll find out about three in the morning um, I might set an <laughs> alarm just to wait. Cause I love, I love what Marvel's doing. And the fact that they're, they have WandaVision and then immediately after we're getting uh, Falcon and the winter soldier. And, uh, it just makes me want to paint stuff from these because I'm so enthralled in them and I love them so much. So it just, I'm constantly thinking about, uh, what's going to happen, but yeah, I mean, it's Marvel is, is awesome. I really wish DC would pick it up a little bit. Um, Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard now because they've they've really they've really plowed through the decade uh, just gold all the time. Um, in DC, I, I mean, it's not bad. I think as far as DC goes, the the only thing that I really really last time I really enjoyed something was um, the Dark Knight whole series, like the Batman Begins, yeah. Dark Knight, and then uh, the Dark Knight Rises, like that. I think that's the stories, the the Christian Bale one. Um, and that was really good writing. And I know it was like Chris Nolan, but um, just the storyline in general was just really well done. And so I wish they would just regurgitate that into... Or, <laughs> you know, have that, um, like, I think, like, the, the crazy thing with Marvel that everybody has started to pay attention to is, like, they, they sat down and they had... They didn't just have a plan for one movie. They had a plan for an entire, yeah. you know... 
10 year stretch. Yeah. And, and DC didn't do that. Right. They tried to cram all of justice league into like one and a half movies and it failed miserably. Whereas Marvel was able to take their time and, and, you know, stretch it across so many movies and it culminated in this just great experience that, uh, yeah, and now because of that, they you know, WandaVision would never happen. Oh, because yeah. like it's such a weird, crazy experiment that we're able to to get now because they kind of you know they made their they made their bucks back with their movies, and now they're able to try all these crazy new things, and it's really exciting. Yeah, no. um, and uh, that yeah, I yeah, think I about that like with um, like at conventions, like I I do do a lot of fan art, but what the fan art does is it fuels all my graphic novels and personal projects that, you know, wouldn't have the funding or the, uh, I wouldn't be able to get accomplished if I didn't do the other thing. So it's kind of like, it's, yeah. if you get some success somewhere, like feed it into something else and, and try something new is, is a uh, need to see a big company like that do that. Yeah, that I agree. And I think I, you know, I feel bad for DC not figuring out Marvel obviously played the long game, but they also mm-hmm. gave you gold, right? Like, I mean, Hulk's, that was kind of like we're stumbling into something like the first few with Edward Norton and, and that whole thing. But then once you brought Iron Man in, you're like, oh, this is really good. And then yeah, you can stumble like on Thor. Um, all the Thors are like, well, I don't know what's happening. And then pick the ball back up in like Ragnarok and just punt it home. Yeah. And touchdown. Um, and I felt like that because, I mean, if I think of like when I first got into Batman, other than the cartoons, um, I had Tim Burton and Tim Burton rocked it. The first one was great. Like with, uh, Michael Keaton and, and even the second one, I was like, this is oh, not yeah. bad. Like I like the style, I like it. And then it just kind of fumbled and then fumbled and then George Coo- yeah. Cooney and you're like, this is a fumble and you could have picked it back <laughs> up. Um, but then they just kind of, it was just kind of, I felt, I felt bad for him. Like I was like, you, you could have done more like, and then Chris Nolan came out and I was like, all right, now we're back. And then justice league came out and I was like, Damn it! You fumbled again. Like, bring it back. Bring it. And then, so we have the Snyder Cut coming out. I mean, I'm getting super uh, deep into this, um, but we'll see what happens with the Snyder Cut. I, uh, I'm hopefully. I'm excited with that as well. Let me let me ask you a question. That um, oh boy, we were talking about comic book movies on another podcast um, recently, and I, I was thinking about this with some other properties. Does the idea that Every couple of years, there's going to be a Batman movie make you happy or make you sad. <clears throat> that, like, after the um, Pattinson movie, in another three years, there's going to be another Batman movie. And in another year or two after that, there's going to be another one. Like, yeah. 25 years from now, there's going to be a Batman movie every couple yeah. of years. And does that make you, as a big fan of Batman, does that make you happy or does that make you sad? Or what, is, what does that make you feel that that property will probably never die it'll just keep getting remade <laughs> um i uh that's a hard question i'm gonna come back with you with that yeah that's a hard question here's what i'll here's what i think I, it obviously it's inevitable like it's gonna happen like thanos said it's inevitable it's gonna be there it's always gonna come back and the only reason i think it's gonna come back is because it is the archetype of batman of being like you Here's a person who has everything that every normal person be like, oh, I'm set. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm a millionaire. I'm a billionaire. I have all this stuff. I could do whatever I want. Um, and then to choose a life of just like vigilante justice um, and suffering and being like, I can't get over the things that I'm going through. And 
honestly, being he could have is like my parents died, but I'm a millionaire, so I'm gonna I'm build this charity. I'm gonna live life out. But he went to the most extreme, like the Batman archetype goes to the extreme of being like, not only did I suffer, I'm going to do justice. And there is no way he didn't think like, this is going to lead to more suffering. I'm going to fall in love. I can't um, be in a relationship because I have the secret identity. I'm going to constantly be fighting to the death of these strange people. Like I'm constantly going to be in a a world torn of war. Like I'm going to be in a war, even though I have everything I want. That archetype to me um, can live on forever um, because it's it's humanizing something that we would all dream of, of being like, I would love to be a millionaire. Um, but what would I do with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing I would do is become a vigilante. Uh, but now we get to see what that looks like. And so, yeah, it would suck. Um, the only thing that I think sucks about regurgitating Batman. Oh, I went super nerd on this, by the way. Oh, I don't know if you expected this kind of an answer. Um, no. Uh, you were like, no, no, I just thought yes or no would have been fun. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I think it's fine. I think I think I think if you do what you did with what they did with the Joker, like the newest Joker that came out, if they expand mm-hmm. Batman into a, the same story but in a different light, I I would be totally fine with it. But if we're just gonna regurgitate like Transformers did, where it's like here's a Transformer movie, here's another story that doesn't really matter because it's the same Transformer movie. Here's another Transformer yeah. movie that's same. But you get a little bit of a different story, but still kind of the same. Um, then I would be pissed. I'd be upset. Like, I'm not watching those. But it, as long as they start to, like, shine different lights on the the story of Batman. I'm sorry, dude. I ran into <laughs> that one. Um, but, yeah. yeah, that was a good question. I, uh, I got fired up about that. You know, I'm going to be up later tonight yeah. just thinking about that question, um, answering myself <laughs> and talking to myself about it. Um, but dude, I, uh, I enjoy, I've kept you for so long, man. I, uh, I really enjoyed this, this podcast. I love talking to you. You, a uh, ton of insight and I, I learned stuff about you. I didn't know. And I learned a ton of stuff and notes that I've written down. Um, so this was really cool. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, no, it was great. Yeah, dude, it was a, this is a yeah. great, <laughs> great conversation. I know every time I do this, I'm like, God, I talk too much. Um, I got to stop talking. Um, but you asked me a question, so you kind of dug your own grave on that one. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I did. I asked. Um, will you tell everyone listening anywhere they can follow you, any of your stuff, anything? Um, I know that you, you put a postpone on selling your work till April. Um, and that was kind of a bummer because I was really looking at the Iron Man, and I just never got around. That was my bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we're waiting till April. And that's just, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a one-person company, and, and shipping, like, shipping all the orders out does take like a, a ton of time and effort. So it's just a matter of like, I want to, I want to get artwork, more artwork made. Mm, and yeah. so I have to turn the store off just to like, just to um, yeah. save myself some sanity and time. But That's I do fair. still have all my, um, books up available on yeah. my store. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. and, and chasing artwork.com does also point to all my other social medias as well. Okay. Um, and so that, that kind of ties into the branding as well. If you Google chasing artwork, my website, my stores, my social media, everything comes up under that one name. Very cool. um, so it's kind of an all-in-one. All yeah. Very cool, man. And thank you so much for letting me pick your brain and just kind of talk to you for this, this long of a time and, and ask you obscure questions like uh, who you're, no if you like DC or Marvel. Um, and you're the first guest I've got talked about WandaVision with. And so that... Like really? that really uh, stoked my fire. Like I was really excited about that. <laughs> uh, but dude, uh, thank you so much. And uh, 
man, I, I'll, I'll contact you in like six months and maybe we can sit down again and I want to see what you're up to and see what you're doing. Um, and hopefully if you come down to a Comic-Con here in New York, if they ever start that up again, I'll, uh, I'll come hang out. Yeah. And, uh, like at least, yeah, I, I'd love to go back to the, the, yeah, there's a New York Comic Con and the, uh, they have the anime convention at the Javits Center as well. Okay. Um, yeah. as soon as it's safe to do so, I know, uh, yeah, our numbers are, are what they are and yeah. I'm not sure when we're going to be able to go to the States again, but I, I think it might be a bit yet. So it's going to be, a luckily minute. I've got lots of projects lined up. Yeah. It's going to be a minute, but no, we'll get there. That's all good, man. I, I'd love to see all the new stuff you're coming out with, um, especially during this break. So. Um, if anyone's listening, go follow Chasing Artwork, and it's everywhere. And go go buy his books. Your your graphic novels are uh, literally all of all of my favorite stuff into one uh, piece of art, which is the book. So um, that's a that's a great thing. But yeah, man, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast, and uh, uh, I will uh, I'll contact you in the future, and maybe we can sit down again. Great. Well, yeah. Thanks for having me. I uh, yeah had a lot of fun. Awesome, Justin. You're a great guest, and. Uh, We'll talk in the future. All right. Cheers. Hey, I just want to say thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to follow um, all the different taglines uh, for the podcast, you can go to Twitter. It's Pardon Will Pod. On Instagram, it's Pardon Will Podcast. Um, and I also have a Discord uh, Discord app or Discord forum that is uh, Pardon Will Pod. That I'm still working on and kind of feeling it out. But that's a good place for you want to go send messages and um, and join the community uh, as I build it. That's a good place to check that out. But um, for my personal, you can check me out on Instagram at Pardon Will Art. The same thing for Twitter. It's Pardon Will Art. Um, and if you want to check out my website, it's PardonWill.com. Uh, everything that I normally do, writing, poetry, art, all that stuff, podcasts, it's all up there as well. Um, and if you want to send me a message, like you're, you know, have a question or something like that, you can also email me at PardonWillArtistry at gmail com. That's pardonwill, A-R-T-I-S-T-R-Y at gmail.com. Anyway, just want to say thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.